Marhaba, and welcome to the Matrix Green Pill, where real people connect. Hello, and welcome back to the Matrix Green Pill podcast. I'm Hilmarie Hutchison, and today I'm eager to welcome our guest for the week, Marco Kasich. Marco is the founder and executive director of Fund Life a grassroots for social profit organization providing consultancy services to nonprofit leaders working on humanitarian causes and sustainable development for children in short-term and chronic emergencies. But before I get ahead of myself, let's hear from Marco himself. Marco, welcome and thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Ilmarie. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure and excited about our discussion. So to start off, could you please introduce yourself? Tell our audience a little bit about you. As you said, my name is Marko Kasic. I was born in um, former Yugoslavia, which is Croatia now. And I grew up in the UK. My family moved there when I was young and essentially had a pretty normal upbringing there and and, um, graduated right when the financial crisis hit in 2009. Spent six months working in corporate finance in in London, realized that it wasn't the path for me. And uh, despite of everything that was happening around the world, it was business as usual and maximizing profit as usual with all the banks. So um, decided to seek another path and ended up in the Philippines and uh, yeah, have been running Fund Life for almost a decade now. So tell us, what was the inspiration behind founding Fund Life and the company that you're best known for? I think it started actually not really with an inspiration to start Fund Life, but it was more a desire to leave the UK. I just became very disillusioned, as I said, with sort of the corporate ethos that I was introduced to after graduating. And I had a few other jobs that, again, didn't really speak to me. I didn't find any purpose in the UK. So I wanted to travel and ended up working for a startup in the Philippines. And that was really the catalyst. I saw for the first time what poverty looks like. I grew up, I guess, very sheltered in Europe. And when we talk about poverty in Europe, we talk about, you know, not having the latest clothes or not having access to cable television in respect of when it was discussed to me. But when I was in the Philippines, it was a completely something very visceral and it was extreme polarization of the haves and the have nots. So that was really the first catalyst. And then it was really through meeting people, volunteering with organizations who were working in the Philippines, understanding some of the challenges they had, which were all around absolutely no access to funding. So essentially, you had these amazing people in the Philippines doing remarkable work, and they were volunteers because they weren't able to get funding. So all of these things somehow led me and some of the people I was working with to try and set up an NGO that could be modeled on the success of these local ones that I was volunteering for, yet still make it sustainable so that we can tap some of these funding revenues that typically don't go to these grassroots NGOs. So it was really, I would say, three to six month journey from when I decided that I wanted to leave the existing safe path of the UK. So after that eye-opening experience, this is what what led you down this path. So let's talk about the setup because you describe Fund Life as a for social profit organization. Could you explain what this means? How is this different from traditional nonprofit models? 
Yeah, so I dislike the word charity because it implies that uh, we pity people and some people don't agree with me. But when we set up Fund Life, we really wanted to celebrate the potential of children, not focus on the inadequacies or the vulnerabilities that they have or the poverty in which they grew up in. So for us, when we talk about Fund Life, it's a not-for-profit, but that suggests it's a negative sort of there's no profit there whereas for us we measure our profit through social impact so we tend to use the word for social impact or for social profit as opposed to not for profit and really that ethos is at the core of what we do we focus a lot on empowerment rather than sort of providing traditional support or perhaps traditional NGO services. So that's why we try to be careful with the terminology because we are trying to change the narrative of the work that we do, but also broadly, there are some fantastic not-for-profits who are working in a more sustainable way. Can you tell us then about the intersection of humanitarian and sustainable development for children in short-term and chronic emergencies? Yeah, so essentially what I, and just to preface this by saying that I had never worked in an NGO before, like I said before, Fund Life, I was just a volunteer for six months working with other volunteers. And so when we started Fund Life, it was actually a direct response to what was the world's biggest natural disaster at the time, which was Typhoon Haiyan, which hit the Philippines in 2013. And so we were thrust into this humanitarian response. I don't want to use the, the wrong word, but it was almost like a circus in the sense that you had hundreds of NGOs who were sort of responding, doing different things, sometimes doing the same work without speaking to each other. And it was very disorganized. And then after six months, half of the NGOs left. After 12 months, the rest of the NGOs left. And then you had these communities that were supported for 12 months that were completely abandoned. And the discourse around this was, well, we're just here as an emergency response. And with the emergency response, it tends to end after six months, 12 months, 24 months. Whereas for us, we started, but we felt this huge responsibility that we couldn't leave the communities that we created relationships with. So for us, we've tried to essentially bridge the gap between humanitarian emergencies and sustainable development. And essentially, this is what we do because that very community that we started in 10 years ago, that's the community that we still have our headquarters, our, our main office in. This is sometimes lost. And again, it's about speaking of the sometimes the ineffective systems around NGOs, whether it's long-term development or whether it's short-term response to these emergencies, whether it's natural conflict. And for us, poverty is a chronic emergency, unfortunately, and, and it exists in so many places around the world. Your vision is far more long-term rather than just being there for the short-term. You're there for the emergencies, for the short-term, but then to see it through to a much more sustainable, continued support. I was just going to affirm that by saying yes, and this is something that isn't the typical model for NGOs. Yes, absolutely. How do your methods create pathways for people to complete their education and secure dignified employment? Our main tool for interacting with youth age 11 to 16 is through sports. So sport is a vehicle for creating essentially a sense of belonging, a sense of normalcy if they have gone through an emergency and through those sport sessions. So we structure typically soccer or football sessions for these young people. And it begins creating this sense of identity for these young people, because often in education, they're obviously coming in most cases dealing with underfunded 
inadequate education systems. So often they don't feel as if education is for them. They feel they're surrounded potentially intergenerational poverty and they don't see education as a tool out of poverty for them because there is no positive role models around them. And by through sports, we create interpersonal relationships, but we also have developed our own curriculum. Our teaching is around the success stories of famous sports people, whether it's a uh, Manny Pacquiao, who is a global entity in boxing, when he was a child, was too poor to even afford rice and he was homeless. It's these stories of commitment and discipline and identifying a particular skill set that every child has and then encouraging them to pursue it. And at the most basic form, it's essentially giving them the confidence to finish high school because often they don't even have that confidence within themselves and their network around them. It's not often something that's normal for them. So it can be as, as simple as encouraging and supporting them to make sure they don't drop out of school and then developing those relationships to make sure that whatever their passion, whatever their dream is, whether it's to become a nurse, whether it's to become a policeman, whether it's to become a chef, we give them those support structures by making sure that they have access to college, vocational training, on-the-job training, whatever it is. So we're almost as a, a facilitator for young people. Starting with sport, you can learn so many good qualities, so many inspirational stories, as you said, that you share with them. That's fantastic. Let's talk about Girls Got Initiative. This is something that's important to you. Let's hear what it's about. Yes, thank you for mentioning. And, and actually, this is a very good segue from sports. So when we started doing these sports projects in the Philippines, we realized and we had feedback and we're very much focused on listening to young people, not just working with young people, but letting them lead us. And the feedback that we were receiving from girls is that they sometimes felt intimidated going to these sessions where it was mostly boys. So we felt that we should create a female-led initiative. So it's all of the staff who are leading girls got this are female. And essentially, it's programs devised by young women for adolescent girls. And again, it focuses more on employability. Digital skills training has now become a huge part of it because of uh, sort of the way the world has shifted since COVID, work from home opportunities. And this is uh, something that is also linked to our social enterprise and social entrepreneurship training, which we've just started now after COVID. So it's exciting times and it's mostly focused, as, as you mentioned earlier, creating pathways for vulnerable adolescent girls to access dignified employment. That's the main goal. And how does Fund Life engage with local communities, government ag agencies and other stakeholders to ensure a holistic approach to addressing the needs of vulnerable children? Yeah, so Fund Life is 100% locally led. And what I mean by that is that all of our operations, all of our programming staff, we're 100% higher from the communities that we serve. In addition to existing agreements and partnerships with the Ministry of Education, with the city social welfare department, with social workers. So for us, we never try to take the place of existing infrastructure or existing institutions. We're there to support and if we can fill in the gaps. So everything is done through a consultative approach. As I mentioned, we have a lot of stakeholder engagement focus groups. And when we create these programs, it's not the management of fund life. It's really a consultation with young people and they them telling us what they want, what they need, and then we communicating that 
to the donors. And again, this really stems from my experience volunteering for that NGO 10 years ago, because this is what we realized is the most effective way, but often it's not always the way NGOs operate. So we've tried to maintain that localization and consultancy at every level, especially with young people. And it makes sense to encourage collaboration of all the various stakeholders rather than one group trying to make the decisions. That makes absolute sense. Can you share some success stories or memorable moments that highlight the impact of Fund Life's work on the lives of the children you serve? Oh, yes. Uh, there has been many. I mean, just as a sort of ballpark, when we did our first assessment in uh, the partnership that we had from 2017 to 2020 with the Ministry of Education, we found that the average dropout rates in the schools we were working in was 21% for boys, 14 for girls. And all of the pupils that were working with Fund Life through our Football for Life Academy program, it was less than 1% who dropped out of school. So in terms of the overall impact, we definitely can see that the program works, that it engages. And in terms of individual stories, the one that stands out really is in 2018, we took four of our participants to the FIFA World Cup which was in Moscow in 2018. And all of those four young people had never had a passport, had never left the country. A couple of them had never left their provinces. And just to see the transformation of not just those young people, but the people around them when they came back. And again, it was creating this idea of broadening the wider horizon, just the sort of, I remember the sessions we had when they came back and they almost came as, as celebrities. There was media to greet them because nobody from their communities had ever been given the opportunity to travel, much less take part in this global exchange for the World Cup. So that was something that was just tremendously profound, just to see these journeys of change, not impacting just one or two people, but actually potentially changing the whole landscape of the communities that they were from. What an amazing story. It must be so heartwarming to see the impact that the program is having on so many young people. As you say, not just the young people, on the community as a whole. So that's um, so rewarding. Yes, very humbling to see. And um, yeah, it's really sort of things like that. And again, you know, um, I still consider Fund Life to be a startup, although we have been around for a number of years. And again, it just sort of proves to us that at least the programs go beyond just alleviating trauma or just giving children and youth a young an avenue to play it's really creating these life skills which are completely transferable to all aspects of their lives for individuals who are inspired by fund life's work and want to contribute or get involved what are some of the ways they can support your organization and make a positive difference in the lives of vulnerable young people I would say two things. One, if somebody is sort of inspired by the work of Fund Life, please reach out to wherever your local community is. I'm sure there's other phenomenal NGOs or volunteers doing amazing work. So I encourage anyone just to try and make an impact in their own communities. And if obviously the work of Fund Life resonates with anyone, you can learn more about us on our website, which is just fundlife.org. We're obviously on all the major socials, Instagram, Facebook. So if there is anyone that wants to engage with us or potentially wants to in some way get involved, we're always interested for skill-based volunteers, by all means, we're very easy to find and very responsive to messages. 
I know I've heard stories of other people who have given their time, given their skills and abilities to support these kinds of social endeavors. And the rewards is more than you can imagine. I think there definitely will be people listening to this that will be inspired to at least give some time to some of these kinds of organizations. I really believe so. And this was really, as I mentioned in the beginning, this is how my entire journey started. I was just curious and volunteered. And 10 years later, I'm still in this space and uh, I can't see myself doing anything else now. It's amazing. I'll tell you what inspires me about your stories, that you're not sitting in some fancy office in London directing all of this. You're there on the ground, living with the people, with the community and giving your time every day working for this cause. And I think that is absolutely so inspiring. Thank you for mentioning it. And exactly, I think this is sometimes one of the frustrations that I have as somebody that is trying to get more localization or give voice to young people, just because you hear a lot of the same rhetoric from typically, yeah, people sitting in ivory towers, politicians who are completely disconnected. We don't hear from the people on the ground. So it was a conscious decision when we started. And if we did do anything, then we wanted to be completely legitimate. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. I love that. That's fantastic. So thank you for telling us uh, about your background and about Fund Life and all the fantastic work that you are doing. Now we've come to the segment of our show. We'll ask you some rapid fire questions, our version of a game show. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. What is your favorite quote? Man loves liberty. Even if he does not know it, he flees from wherever liberty does not exist. Who is your biggest inspiration? Without sounding cheesy, probably my parents, just in terms of their work ethic and what they sacrificed. Beautiful. What is your biggest pet peeve? Probably these days, people who watch TV shows or series or TikTok on their phones without headphones. Yeah, without consideration for other people. Do you have any phobias? Yes. Apart from spiders, snakes, I'm also uh, probably embarrassed to say I don't like clowns. I think there's many people that feel that way. Surely where you live, you must come across spiders and snakes all the time. I've been lucky so far. I'm more urbanized, so mostly just uh, we deal with a lot of cockroaches, That's uh, but I've got used to those. Okay. And the last one, what is one thing you do every day, no matter how busy you are? Run. Since January 1, I've committed to running every single day. And uh, yeah, I just finished my run before we started this. Amazing. Well, that was the end of the game show. So that was fairly easy. Thank you for playing along. So before we wrap up, we'd like to ask you about your green pull moment. What was your green pull moment, the action or event that was the turning point for you or your career? I think it was um, when I graduated, my sort of dream job was to be a management consultant. And I realized that I couldn't because I didn't graduate from a top 20 university. So while I was working in corporate finance, I was trying to find management consultancy roles. And I found the Philippines role first. And then the day before my flight, they invited me and offered me the job for the management consultancy. At that moment, that decision to turn down the management consultancy job and go down the pathway of going to the Philippines without having an idea what I was doing how it was going to work out. I think that was probably the green pill sliding doors moment in my life. Wow. What an amazing experience. Fantastic. And it was definitely the best decision that you made. Marco, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your amazing story. I'm sure our audience will be so inspired by you and your cause. Thank you so much, Hilmarie. I hope whoever is listening, they can take uh, even just a little bit of inspiration. I'm so sure they will. Now, before we say goodbye, could you please tell our audience uh, where they can find and follow you? And we'll also put this in the show notes. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on LinkedIn, my full name, I'm, I'm easy to find. I have the big hand with dreams and color in it. And then on socials, I'm not very active, uh, but uh, Fund Life website and easy to find an email. My staff is very small. So yeah, LinkedIn and through the website, I'm easily found. Fantastic. I noticed on your social media, even for Fund Life social media, there wasn't many pictures of you. It was all about the children. Tons and tons. I looked because I wanted, I would be looking for some extra images for the webpage and you simply stay in the background and it's all about the children on your social media. Well, that's what we noticed at least. It's what the foundation was created to, to help others. And like I said, we want to be 100% locally led. So I don't want to get in the way and I do my work behind the scenes. And uh, of course, I tend to, like I said, I'm not very active on social media, but thank you for the opportunity to share my story and wonderful the platform you have to give people like me a chance just to briefly introduce our work. Yeah, we're so happy to have that opportunity. And again, it was so lovely to talk to you. I'm inspired by you and what you're doing. And I'll for sure be following you and the journey of Fund Life as well. So thank you again for being here today. Thank you so much. I'm great. If you enjoy our conversations, please like and subscribe. See you next Wednesday.